today is the uh, 25th. All right, good. <sighs> Always got to check before I go live. The O'Chelly Effect is sponsored by WallStreetWindow.com and listeners like you. And now, and now the, most, the most underrated voice in all, in all media, Chuck O'Chelly. Apologies to you guys on the live stream. Of course, you, you probably already gave up and moved on, and you'll come back later to listen to replays on the 24-7 stream on Ocelli.com radio. But those of you that stuck around, you're going to be rewarded with the live show because it is the 25th day of April 2023, allegedly, according to that thing we call a calendar. And this is indeed the show you were looking for. How do I know that? Because you wouldn't have found it otherwise. Uh, getting buried all over the place feels like a shadow band uh, uh, in my own shadows. Anyway, whatever it is, it is. And I know a guy that, that, that might know a little something about shadow banding. But let me set this up first. Really, really happy to have William Ramsey along with me on a Tuesday. Tears Day. Uh, that's what it is. It is the day of death. So appropriate. Because you know, twice marks the goddess of death, right? Six. If I remember my esoteric stuff. Anyway, we talking about that tonight? Maybe. Stick around. We could talk about the global death toll. Maybe this is part of it. Um, why? I heard something in the news feeds the other day, and now I'm getting a little a little bit of noise from you, William, over there. I don't know what that is. It sounded like a refrigerator rice or something. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it is. We are live. It's okay. Look, if your ice maker is acting up, good. Um, but anyway, back to the story. I was listening to uh, uh, you know the the audio news feeds like I do when I'm doing other work, and I heard a lady mention a body being dumped in the Chicago River. So my ears perked up a little bit because something just I don't know what it was. It was like, wait a minute, geographically that makes sense for something I heard before, and then she said something about the smiley face tilts. Now, I don't know who this author was because I'm listening to uh, News Nation, you know, that network that recently hired uh, Meathead Cuomo over there or Fredo or whatever he calls himself or doesn't call himself. Who cares? Uh, from the privileged family over there. Right. OK. So anyway, he, he's doing his thing and he's on a Christian conservative network now, which is how they identify themselves. Uh, who am I to argue? Uh, whatever it is, it is. But they were having some true crime discussions, and I've been listening to some true crime stuff off and on lately. Mrs. O makes me, so bear with me. Um, and I do listen to some true crime stuff when there's really something to discuss. Uh, the resurgence of, like, the Jeffrey Dahmer thing and all that recently. Interest in it, people acting like, gee, I never knew this happened because you weren't alive in the 90s. I understand. But uh, I was. Anyway, um, the thing is, I've been asking for several years, where did all the serial killers gone and uh, or where did the, where did they all go? I, I was thinking of that song, Where Have All the Flowers Gone? But um, th th there it is. Right. Where have all the serial killers gone? We don't see the sensational reporting. We don't see the follow up on the prosecutions. We don't see all that so much. But maybe we do. And we don't realize it. maybe nobody's been prosecuted, but there is action occurring as we speak. Ramsey mentioned this for a long time, and meanwhile, now I'm starting to see static. People asked me when I had him on about the smiley face killers, what the hell is he talking about? Is he seeing patterns where there are none? And I said, no, it does appear as though there's some kind of pattern here. I can't discern what's going on. I'm not deeply researched here on this, but I got to say there's something going on here. I don't know what it is. A uh, little skeptical on my part. 
But again, those people that were even skeptical then now turning to it, noticing, and there appears to be fringes of the online communities that are starting to pay attention to it. So it's not just Roberta Glass, Bill Smith, and William Ramsey. Uh, of course, if you're not familiar with William Ramsey, you'll be familiar with it by the time I'm done talking. And I'm shut up now. And uh, uh, first of all, ask my friend how he's doing. I took a few minutes to talk to him before the show, <laughs> which uh, was why we went late. But if you're hearing the podcast, you don't care. It doesn't matter. So anyway, William, how, how are you doing tonight, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks for the invite, Chuck. Great to be with you. It is absolutely great to have you along. And uh, look, I, I wanted to make sure I wasn't starting to see patterns in things that didn't exist, too, because all of a sudden I'm seeing interest in this and people using phrases that you were one of the few people out there using only a few months ago, only last year, even. And you've been on this for a bit, right? No doubt. My first uh, documentary I put out in 2017. So I've been studying this for at least six years, following cases and staying kind of in the community of online researchers for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I took notice of you a couple of years ago with it, but I wasn't sure what to make of it. I'm still not sure what to make of it, honestly, because we don't have investigative agencies following up and putting these things together and showing us the evidence that makes sense. But on the surface, when you have a pattern of behaviors and mysterious deaths, and there is, you know, logistical links and there is, uh, you know, profiles that you can put together. I don't know. Maybe I've seen too many movies. It seems like somebody should be putting these things together and they're not. So, you know, tell me a little bit about that. Well, you know what? I'm getting ahead of myself. First, let's go back to the ABCs. Tell people who the smiley face killers are. I know you don't have the perpetrators in hand, but tell people what the pattern that you're seeing and why it is that you believe there is a, a, a group uh, acting here and it would have to be a group to accomplish what I'm seeing here in the pattern. But tell us about this. I believe there's independent cells actually committing these types of crimes, but it got its name from the two original investigators who noticed the phenomenon. It's really just a phenomenon of young men being out at night, later disappearing and later to be found in water, oftentimes much later than they should have been found weeks or even over a month later. And the two people who were researching it were Gilbertson, who was a criminologist, I believe in Minnesota, and Gannon, who was a New York police officer. So they both saw this phenomenon and kind of got together. They wrote a book called Case Studies in Forensic Drownings and covered 14 cases. And they gave it the name, The Smiley Face Killers, because there was an association between where they thought a lot of these bodies were put in the water uh, and finding this smiley face. So that's how it got its name. It really could just be called the phenomenon of young men being uh, murdered and then dumped in water is, is really it. But that really started. They noticed the phenomenon in the mid-90s. Really, the first case was a case in New York, a kid by the name of Patrick McNeil. He was a Fordham University student. He disappeared out of Manhattan and later to be found kind of down the Hudson, much farther than he should have been uh, and he was uh, later to be found. They did a full autopsy on him. Cyril Wecht, if people know the JFK investigation. But that same famous forensic examiner examined the body of Patrick McNeil and found later something the police did not disclose is that he had been tortured with a blowtorch and hit in the head with a hammer. So he had been taken somewhere and, and horrible things happened to him. Then he was later dumped in the water. So that was the beginning of it. And this phenomenon really has taken place. And the, the national media has done a few shows and and 
some of the talk show hosts, Dr. Oz, uh, among others, have done kind of shows within the last couple of years on it. But I would say the cor- corporate media has failed to really look into this phenomenon. The online communities, however, are I've never seen it this hot. This this much interest within the last couple of months because it's happening independently in two different metropolitan areas. Austin, Texas and Chicago, Illinois have literally had people found within the last week, each of those cities. But they were people found in a streak of deaths uh, over the last year. Uh, Lady Bird Lake has had eight bodies found in the water and Chicago's about on the same pace. And so they're calling it a serial killer independently but they're not seeing this phenomenon with the kind of wide angle lens that i tried to do which is to show that it's at this phenomenon of young men being in a bar probably drugged and dumped in the river is happening all over the u.s and the uk and the world really okay so let me take the wide angle lens and apply the skeptic's eye to it okay um in all fairness i i come from the northeast now dumping a body in in a body of water is not unusual up there all right. I, I even uh, took time to study something that happened in one of my one of the places that I would call my hometown in Neptune City, where uh, there, there was this uh, a group of uh, young people who uh, there, there was a girl that disappeared for a little bit. Right. And it turns out that uh, one of her, quote, friends and quote, uh, had discovered she inherited some cash and decided to kill her and dump her body. And I knew all the locations. I knew where these people lived. I knew the streets. And so therefore, I got kind of hooked into it for a minute. Um, and they dumped her. Now, they had done uh, a pretty nasty job of bludgeoning her. It turns out it was one guy. Maybe it was two. The two of them went to trial. Uh, certainly, it's an isolated incidence. Um, and I don't believe it's part of this at all. Okay. Now, the only reason why I bring it up is because, again, it's a common thing if you're near bodies of water. And being from New Jersey and New York, guess what? Bodies get dumped in the Hudson. They get dumped in the various inlets. They get dumped in the ocean, uh, William. I mean, this is just a, a fact of life when it comes to murder in the northeast of the U.S. Um, now, we are talking about two different areas where this is happening. What is different from, say, just a uh, an increased occurrence here in murders where people are just getting dumped in bodies of water? And I'm just going with people here because I use the girl as an example. But, uh, you know, victims can vary as to whether they're male or female all the time. Um, and for various purposes, it could be robbery. It could be vengeance. It could be, uh, you know, you slept with my wife. I mean, lots of reasons for people to kill somebody and dump them in a body of water, thinking that they destroyed the evidence, thinking the body may never be discovered, especially if it's in the ocean or something. Although generally speaking, unless you go out far enough and you weight it down and eh, they tend to get dragged back in by the tides um, and wind up on a beach somewhere. Thing is, what, what would be the difference between that just sort of happening and maybe there's just an increase of murders? And I mean, there must be some other common links here outside of bludgeoning or the fact that it's young men or what What are the other common traits here that that make this form a pattern as opposed to maybe it's just an increase in murders and people are just dumping them in bodies of water? It's a great question. I think that really what sets these apart is the focus on men coming out of bars. So they're out late at night. And like they're being hunted. So I think that that's the difference. I do think that this has been a kind of tactic or technique of the mob dumping bodies in water. This goes all the just like you said. But what sets these apart really is this kind of like innocent, non-targeted victim. And later to be found later, oftentimes not 
at the same time they they were disappeared like they were abducted right so like the first title of my first documentary is who was abducting torturing and murdering college age kids so there's some kind of abduction element where these people are not found right away they just had one guy from waukegan in between kind of like the the area actually where um jeffrey dahmer kind of applied his trade of murder in between in milwaukee and chicago but he was found he was disappeared from waukegan on saint patrick's day 2023 just found 33 days later like literally within the last week his body was found so why is this guy not found right away and these are massive searches seamus gray was a worked he was part of like uh the navy he was a i think a merchant seaman uh, in training so there's a massive search for this guy why isn't he found right away and this is the same kind of pattern that ties a lot of these kind of things called the smiley face killings together is that they're typically young people who could swim seamus gray was in the navy he knew water how does he just fall in and drown uh, it's very unusual, especially for this this guy. I think he was 21. So this is just one of many cases. There's probably three to 400 cases of this these well, types of deaths. Again, approaching it from the skeptic angle. Okay, um, that girl that I just brought up that was murdered in Neptune City. They never found her body. Uh, they found all kinds of stuff tied to her body, and they got these guys to confess about dumping her off a bridge in Belmar. Which, if you're familiar with the area, there's an inlet that comes off of the ocean, right? And they dumped her off a bridge in Belmar, New Jersey, right right outside of Neptune City, where they murdered her. Uh, and they, they got them to confess. But quite honestly, they never found the body. Uh, and that does happen with bodies of water. Now, is there something that appears to be intentional about the way these bodies are being dumped? Uh, I brought up the fact that quite often, if you take it out far enough off of the shore and you dump it and you weight it down, that thing may never resurface. Uh, or might get consumed by the aquatic life. And if it does resurface, nobody will recognize it as a body. Uh, things like this. Uh, is there a pattern of, well, technique here used to weight down the body or something like that? Or is it just that there is a time element where it appears as though the body wasn't in the body of water for a whole month, but the person had been missing for a whole month? Right. I mean, I think that's a good question. Some of the information is not, obviously not divulged by the police on some of these deaths. For example, they found some bodies in Austin. They're calling it the Ladyburg Lake Killer or Ripper or the Rainy Street Ripper. So these phenomena has taken on these interesting names, variant names. I guess they just title these serial killing something. But, uh, for example, he was just not found in water. He was found near water. Um, mm. So... And just like I mentioned before, this young man, Patrick McNeil, the injuries to his body were not disclosed by the police. The family had to get the autopsy and look through the autopsy to find out what happened. So whether these are people are drugged, the original investigators, Gannon and Gilbertson, found a high incidence of GHB in the bodies of the victims they studied. And they did a very detailed study. And that was, uh, you know, 14 guys. So like half of them had had higher levels of GHB, which is in endogenous to the body. It means it's already present, but not in these high doses that they found. So I think a lot of these people, this is kind of like a drugging. And go back to Jeffrey Dahmer. He was very much of a drug. Uh, he was giving drugs to his victims and people, if you remember that. He actually got kicked out of a... Right, he was kicked out of the bathhouses and bath house, right. stuff when he was uh, drugging different people. Initially, he wasn't trying to kill them. He was just uh, trying to incapacitate them uh, and... Uh, 
Then he had uh, somebody uh, really, really needed medical assistance in one of the bathhouses. And then he got himself banned, if I remember the story right. Um, and, and they sort of were like, yeah, he's not even welcome in the gay underground here. Um, is there an element of that going on? Because, look, GHB is uh, typically what I think of immediately is they called it the date rape drug. That was the first date rape drug I ever heard of. Uh, Ruhypnol is uh, is is more common nowadays, I think. But GHB is uh, classically uh, known as a date rape drug, is it not? Yes, it is. And it's David. There's actually been articles in Austin that they're calling this the roofie killer. So people are getting roofied. And they actually had a victim in 2019 who was suspected to be a victim. He woke up in a ditch and his name was I won't give his full name, but he his name is Chris. And he didn't remember anything for 60 hours. So he had been drinking down in Rainy Street and just blacked out. And this is actually very common. And I studied some of these other cases. There was a, a gay killer in London. His name was Stephen Port, and he was drugging people and was responsible for death. So I think that these some of these guys are – I think they're gay motivated. I think that's why some of these victims are men. This pool of victims is male, not female. So like there's a heterosexual killer, I guess. So the women are the victims. But um so I think that that's what's going on here is there's a there's a high proportion of drugging and that's that's really what's going on. And I think it's kind of the perfect crime, too, because a victim, some may be survive. They have actually had another victim survive recently within the last four months in Boston. Boston and New York City were hot spots for this kind of death. But uh, these people don't remember stuff. They're really their memories are not good. So I think if you if somebody gets drugged and the, the perpetrator knows they're drugged, they know this person isn't going to remember facts about the crime. They're just going to, you know, if they're not victims, they will just wake up. And there's actually one of the most prolific rapists in UK history was in Manchester mm-hmm. and his name was Reynard Sinaga. And they think he raped over 100 or 200 men using kind of this technique. And what he would do is he would go out into the streets at night. He would wait for the late night. He would wait for the men to leave the bars at 1.30 or 2, finding drunk men or stragglers and invite them back to the place and then and then drug them and rape them. Well, they caught him with that because he had, and a lot of these men didn't know they were raped. Uh, they caught him because somebody, they caught him on his phone. He had recorded a lot of stuff. But what if Sanaga had had dead bodies like Jeffrey Dahmer? What right. if he had to dispose of bodies? So some of these people have been caught. So people say, oh, these people are committing these crimes, this phenomenon, haven't been caught. I would surmise that actually they have been caught, but maybe not for a serial killing, right? They've been caught for one crime or two crimes. So I think the study of this is really, it really is this modern phenomenon and a very large pool happening all over the world. Yeah. Well, this can become a Rosetta Stone because quite honestly, if you have... Here's what I'm imagining. Okay, the only way that this starts to make sense in my mind is if you have people collaborating on this kind of thing and the the idea of using uh, the the date rape incapacitating drugs and uh, there's a shame factor attached to it. There is a uh, look if you got a a, a non homosexual man who's now been raped, even if he does have some vague recollection of it, a lot of times they don't want to report it. Okay, because it's just, you know, who wants to go through that? Um. And women do the same thing. Women do the same thing. They don't yeah, report their rape either. Women do the same thing, but I'm telling you that it's a little different for a man because, quite true, frankly, true. I mean, at least in my age group, I know it would be very different because, look, 
you don't want to cop to the fact that you got yourself in that position. You really do feel like you, you, you made a mistake here and you may have. Uh, it may have been a mistake to uh, be trusting. Go go hang out with somebody you didn't know uh, this kind of thing. And you didn't expect this, <laughs> you know, uh, and and also you don't have a great memory of it. So there, there is a couple of aspects here. Um, now, this going on, this is a whole lot more of a common occurrence than I think people want to want to ever admit that this occurs. Right. Yes, I agree. I totally agree. And it's actually. Chuck, it's happening a lot. Even in L.A., there may not be the deaths associated, but there have people have been caught roofing, you know, clientele, bartenders and people at bars, roofie people. It ha- it's happening often. I think it's much more common in the gay community, maybe than the heterosexual community. But people have to watch their drinks and women are notoriously, you know, drink watchers. They know it can happen to them. Well, that's the thing. They've had to learn the hard way, you know, that yeah. somebody could slip them something. And you, you also have, if these guys are waiting around for people to leave late at night, I mean, quite frankly, they might have already been plied enough with the alcohol right. that uh, their, their inhibitions are down, their judgment is down, uh, they're clearly not, you know, thinking uh, very quickly on their feet, etc. So, you know, you, you, you have a much uh, easier prey, if you will. Right. Uh, so I'm, I'm, and I'm breaking this down all different ways. Here's the thing I think is missing. If there was the discovery of some sort of communication here where and and I know that this in all likelihood very well exists, that there is a um, a group somewhere that I'm sure is talking about techniques about how to pull these kinds of things off. Agreed. I guarantee that there is. I mean, every kind of horrible thing you can imagine. I mean, look. Let's just get blunt and ugly about it. You, you know that, 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 that pedophiles who find each other online, pederists of all sorts, uh, will sit there and collaborate with one another. This is how they share and uh, start trading, you know, a, a, a kitty porn. I mean, this is what they do. Um, so there's usually some sort of uh, meeting spot where people do get together. I mean, just like, uh, you know, guys get together to argue about the ins and outs of the backstory of Star Wars figures, okay? Right, right. There, there are interest uh, points here that maybe you can't just, you know, walk out onto the common street corner and find a friend, all right? Um, and this is obviously the, the depraved dark part of it. Uh, guaranteed there is somewhere a forum or a chat room or something where there might be people commonly sharing, look, this is what works. This is how you can get GHB. I mean, I would have no idea how to get a hold of a date rape drug right now. I, I don't know. I, I've never, I mean, I could probably get a hold of any substance I could think of, you know, if I wanted to get high. But I have no idea uh, where I would get a hold of something like that right now. You know, but there are people that do know. And how right. do they know? They were told by somebody. So what I'm saying is there has to be some level of communication here, especially if, let's say, you have a collaborator or even a single person uh, working there near Lady Bird Lake and then somebody else working near Chicago. Um, You know, at certain points, these guys might be coming together somewhere. So there's got to be a point of connectivity, right? Agreed. No, I agreed. Uh, Gannon and Duarte, Duarte was his kind of partner in the the police department in New York. They did a recent interview probably within the last four months for Chicago Chicago Barstool because everybody in Chicago is worried about these cases. They're tying it together. So they invited Gannon on. And Gannon said that exact same thing. He has proof. I don't have proof, but he has proof that these people are communicating on the dark web. Well, somebody's got to bring that out. 
you know, I, I guess the, the the reason why it hasn't been brought out is because they're really hoping to catch somebody. And maybe somebody has this information elsewhere who's investigating. But I'm not so sure, because how seriously do you think the authorities are taking this? I mean, not publicly serious. They just had a huge denial in Austin. The, the head of the police came out and said there's no correlation. They've done the same thing in Boston. But Boston's had a huge amount of cases. That's just a whole show in itself, the Boston cases. But, uh, I mean, they've had many, a lot of things associated with, like, gaming events and things going on at the TDI Center or whatever, downtown Boston. But um, well, they're not publicly doing it. But I know I know when one specific case, the guy's name was Dakota James, uh, the mother had a meeting with somebody from the Secret Service and the FBI. This mm-hmm. was 2019, I think. So, um yeah, so they're involved. I mean, they're saying that one of the, my complaints, one of my critiques of Gannon and Gilbertson is they're not giving a lot of their information out to the public. And I think that's unfortunate because their findings aren't there for people to work on and see connections. Or maybe somebody's familiar with dark web or these I've surmised like these kink sites or fetish sites are things where people are exchanging information. Like I know how to do this and get away with it, blah, blah. I know how to get people into dungeons, things like that. So. Uh, it is kind of it's unfortunate that the information isn't being shared. But sometimes it's just not, like I have tons of information, but just the, the process of sharing it, I'd have to put out a book. I'd have to put out a full book because I have so many cases right. off the charts. Well, you know, as an idea, why hasn't somebody reached out to others? I mean, I'm very sure that there have been guys that have been busted doing stuff like this. How about going back over the information and maybe right. uh, trying to, you know, drill down on these guys for resources and say, look, where did you learn how to get this stuff? I mean, right. Jeff Dahmer was getting stuff from, you know, he worked for uh, what a veterinarian at one point, right? And uh, he was working in a in a pharmacy or something. He got a hold of some of this stuff, and he got veterinary drugs at one point. Uh, you know, that was meant to like, you know, when when you're going to go neuter a dog or whatever, you give him this. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's that's fairly accurate for one of the things he did in order to get his hands on it. But he was working from the seat of his pants. Now, if one of these other guys was informed by somebody else and they could track it down, you know, and figure it out. Well, how did you figure out how to get a hold of your date rape drugs? How did you figure out how to victimize people? Because they have busted people doing this. Maybe they'll come across the guy who is uh, not just the rapist, but the murderer. I mean, catch them all. But. You know what I'm saying? Why? Why? No, I 100 percent no. I, for a perfect example, you can look up a case. I got to get the name for it, but it happened in, in New York City at the beginning of this year. Four guys, all Latino guys, were trolling the gay bars and drugging dudes and stealing their stuff. Mm-hmm. So they were doing. So that's what they got caught for, right? Like I don't know what else happened, or if they were. I don't even know if the perps were part of the gay community, but that was their target. So mm-hmm. they were working as a team to carry out these these thefts and uh you know felonies i have to find a case but it is interesting so that's what people get busted for just like i said like what if they were involved in murder just like you said right so yeah right have to ask those questions i mean i don't know well and, and that's the other thing is that actually digging into one thing can lead you to another uh what you bring up there with the with the four latino guys i remember uh, a situation again when i was younger in asbury park in new jersey again uh there was a there was a fairly well-known gay spot there. And quite frankly, uh, there were guys that were working it and, and robbing the gay guys. Um, 
And there was a whole thing about, you know, well, gee, does this guy even want to go? Because maybe he was not out of the closet yet. Does he even want to go to the police and tell him, yeah, I got robbed right outside of the gay bar? Well, what were you doing there? Um, you know, and that went on for a while. They they didn't catch those guys for a couple of years because even though they had, uh, you know, uh, clearly stuff had turned up, even stuff turned up in pawn shops and all this kind of stuff that was clearly, you know, the uh, it was flagged. And, you know, they, they did the right thing and contacted the police. Hey, I've got this thing that you uh, have an alert out on and so on and so forth. But it was a lengthy problem trying to get a hold of these guys. Now, there's no telling if they didn't have a robbery go wrong. They killed somebody. Or maybe they escalated. I mean, it's always possible. But again, where did the idea come from, right? Right, right. They just, you know, dreamt this up by themselves, smoking a joint one day. Uh, Okay, that's one thing. But if they were trying to, like, come up with, let's figure out a good, you know, a good crime wave to start. And they go on the Internet and somebody gives them the blueprints. Well, you you might be leading into something else here where a guy's like, yeah, I know this works because I've done it. And maybe that's the guy you want. Or maybe he's informed another guy who, instead of, you know, just uh, stealing watches and stuff, has decided, uh, you know what, I'm going to get uh, I'm going to get my rocks off doing this is what I'm going to do instead of stealing their stuff. And, uh, you know, maybe I'll steal their stuff once in a while, make it look different. But uh, but truthfully, you know, they're, they're going after a different target. Um, right. You know, yeah, here's the article. This is just April 1st, 2023. This is not an April Fool's joke. It says New York City police on Saturday identified a trio of suspects in the killings of two men who were drugged and robbed last year after visiting gay bars in the Hell's Kitchen neighborhood. Authorities posted photos of the suspects identified as Jaquan Hamilton, Robert DeMaio, Jacob Barroso. John Umbarger, 33, and Julio Ramirez, 25, were killed in two separate incidents in spring of last year. Both were seen leaving bars with unidentified individuals before thousands of dollars were withdrawn from their bank accounts via facial recognition on their phones. New York City police said there could be as many as 17 connected cases. Now, 17 cases, I mean, that's definitely qualifies as a serial criminal thing going on. Uh, not necessarily all murders, but maybe again, like I said, there are robberies that went sideways, uh, which which happens. OK, you didn't intend to murder somebody, but that's what ended up going on because they fought back or whatever. Um, so uh, there's a wide variety of things. So, again, I want to get back to this, though, because it, it, if you have a circumstance now, in this case, you don't have guys being dumped in bodies of water and being discovered later and tortured and held, do you? I mean, as no. far as we know about this, uh, as far as we know, yeah, right. what's come out for what's come out. But see, that's another thing is, is do we know that there are not more of these things happening because they're just simply not being reported? Um, and, and I don't mean reported to the police or whatever. I do mean just, you know, being reported by the media in general. See, here's where the media, local or otherwise, can play a role in making people aware. Like, you know, let's go back to some classic stuff. Uh, you know, what, what happened with the son of Sam, a panic came up with the son of Sam and realistically not that many victims there. Uh, we're not talking about, you know, huge numbers here. This was not Ted Bundy, but he did shoot a few people. Now we could say that that was connected to a lot of other stuff and I'm not fully satisfied that it was the massive, uh, you know, the, the Maury Terry sort of story. I'm not sure that he's a hundred percent correct. But uh, but I do believe there's something there. There's some there there. Right. Right. Regarding the connectivity. And and I could be totally wrong about it. But these are the things that you got to consider is when you see a massive successful action, 
where people are not immediately busted, where they certainly have a, a mode of operation that they have uh, developed somehow. OK, it usually means that there were other crimes that led up to it. Like I said, Jeffrey Dahmer initially not killing and eating his victims. He was just drugging them. Right. right. Uh, and and uh, having sex with them or, or being sexual with them, whatever, depending on how you read the reports. OK, um, but eventually it escalated. And there's another element there. If you have people working in concert with one another, though, then there's no reason for the grooming and the training process. They have a mode of operation. They have uh, techniques in hand. They know where to get the drugs. Uh, yeah, like you said, you, you, you've got almost a perfect crime here because, again, if the victim survives, they can't really report much, even if they try. And if they don't survive, you got a body. The dead men don't speak. Of course, you now have to look for what went on. So the high levels of drugs and the torture. That Let's not let that go because – as common as it seems in true crime discussions, torture and murder are not necessarily always connected. Usually uh, a murder, somebody gets right to the point and it's done. Uh, again, that, that case I was talking about in Neptune City, right? I mean, they didn't torture the girl. They just smashed her in the head and she was dead. Uh, well, they smashed her in the head and then strangled her. But anyway, it was because the smash in the head didn't work and that was that. They didn't hold her for various days trying to, you know, get things out of her and this and that. Uh, they got right to the point. Now, that is typical in murder cases, right? I mean, you, you just kind of go right for it. That's the way it goes. So when you have the torture element here and the uh, sexual sadism or just sexual assault element, these are kind of unique to put together they're not as common right i mean sexual right. assault's common but sexual assault combined with torture and then murder not as common so these three factors coming together and then having them dumped in bodies of water again do we know anything about the time difference i mean are they dumped in the body of water and discovered later after dumping or do we see that maybe they were dumped after being held for a long time well, it's a good question. I think there's variants, but some are clearly they have to be held for a long time because the bodies aren't in bad shape. They're not. They haven't decomposed. And a perfect example of that is Dakota James out of Pittsburgh. Um, but it's hard to say because a lot of that information hasn't come out, come out to the public. Uh, it's like police information. It's hard to get the police to tell you the truth about anything. At least that's what my experience is. So but the time difference, like you can just go to your standard kind of criminologist and ask how long a body decomposes in water and floats and comes to the surface. And it's not that long. I mean, it's dependent upon a variety of factors, sun, heat, uh, whether the water is cold. But some of these are clearly missing for a long period of time. They should have been seen. Um, they should have been found. And some people aren't being looked. And some of the others, they're being looked in great detail. There's an incredible case in Maniunk, PA, about a kid by the name of Montgomery, Shane Montgomery, where he was found in three feet of water that had already been checked. It had been systematically checked by the police, like literal, you know, underground. They found his keys, but they didn't find his body. And then his body turned up there. Look up the Shane Montgomery story. It's incredible. So there, there's a lot of variants. And some of these cases are obvious, like uh, murders. Mm. Um, some are not as obvious, but some are very obvious. Like these are people who shouldn't, I mean, it's weird that people think that these guys are so drunk they would fall in water 
and fall and like not be able to get up, but they're able to make it to the water. So like there's a lot of like stories about, oh, they're just going to the water and pee, going to the bathroom and then they fall in. So but they're able to get up and get, you know, stand up, but they can't stand up in the body of water or swim out or anything like that. Like they suddenly just go unconscious or go into shock. So yes. these are like the drowning rationale is very suspect. Well, it's very weird because, look, if you have uh, rapids, if you have a really strong, you know, uh, uh, flow to a stream, I get it. Because if you're intoxicated, it is a little difficult to breathe. If you're fully intoxicated, it is, you know, you, you don't have your coordination necessarily together. And fighting against rapids is hard, uh, which is why I understood when some people did get drunk and drown in the ocean. Again, I'm from Jersey, right? It did happen. Um, and it would be difficult to know if somebody had been bludgeoned before they went into the water or if they bashed their head on a jetty, this kind of thing. Uh, so you would think that, you know, occasionally this, this does really happen, but when you've got bodies of water where you don't have a strong current, um, this, look at the, look at the lady bird lake. It's a pond. Well, it's see, that's like, what I was yeah. going to bring up is that you got these three locations that you brought. I mean, three main locations that you mentioned so far. You have the Pennsylvania area. You have the Illinois area. OK, uh, you talked about, you know, b- between uh, Milwaukee and Chicago. It's not that big of a jump. But then we go to Texas. These are fairly well separated uh, regions. Right? Yeah, the, right. The bodies of water are not connected very well. Uh, you're not going to find like, you know, a stream that goes from one place to another or in the instance of, say, uh, dumping a body in New Jersey and then it turns up uh, on the shore in, I don't know, Maryland. It's a possibility that a body could get taken there and dropped off somewhere else. Right. Because you have the, the tides coming in and out. But when you have a circumstance here where they're ending up in these still bodies of water, uh, drunkenness does not make sense to me as to how they could have drowned really easily, at least not at that age. Again, if you're somebody who had trouble breathing to begin with, and then you drink, uh, your, your, your respiration's a little off anyway. Uh, clearly, your, your, your uh, hand-eye coordination is bad. You're going to have a little trouble swimming, maybe not as good. I could get that. And if you lose a fight with the ocean or roaring rapids, it makes a lot more sense. But again, Lady Bird Lake, like you said, is a pond. And my understanding about this Chicago area is that they're not exactly finding them in areas where uh, it appears as though they've been dragged along, you know, through the stream quite a while. It just that's just where they were. Or am I misreading that? No, you're right. I mean, and that's kind of the way it is. They're not uh, in that bad of shape. They're in they're literally in ponds like there was one Min Chi Yang in 2022 was found in a pond at the university kind of outside of Chicago, about 30, 30 miles. But like literal pond. Like, it's incredible. They had a Joel Arduno was found just March 16th, 2023, in a lake. And this area where Seamus was found was, like, in a place like a huge dock area, right? So you can just pop back in the dock. It wasn't like some rapids, like you said. So these are very suspect, very suspect cases where these guys are supposedly, uh, you know, incapacitated or whatever. It's just hard to believe. The families are very suspicious. If a lot of the families go on record and say, hey, there's something suspicious about my family member's death. He was right. either healthy. Like there was a one kid out of Austin, like uh, 2018, Martin Gutierrez. He's healthy. Like he's a total athlete. There's no way that this guy's going to fall in water and have some, path, you know, panic attack and suddenly drown. And mm-hmm. a lot of these parents, the family go, these guys aren't even drinkers. 
they don't only have two beers, you know, they're, they're not big drinkers. So the assumption is that these guys are all like freaking out hardcore alcoholics. And then the family goes, yeah, he didn't like to drink very much, but he liked to go out, you know, those type of people. So. Well, and that is the thing too, but, but here's the deal is, you know, a one, two beers doesn't affect too many people too badly, but you had GHB in there and oh, uh, it sure. doesn't take even the beer, right? <laughs> right. And Chuck, you look at some of these characters, you look at these guys, they're out of character. They're acting strange. They get kicked out of bars. Like that's something that may have never happened. It wasn't like a constant thing where they go to a bar and get kicked out. And a lot of people think that that's why they have got this personality changes taken over because they're drugged. Mm-hmm. Well, that starts to make sense. So let me ask you how it is. Th- this has now been going on for depending on who you talk to uh, anywhere from one decade to three decades now. Yeah where the discovery of these bodies, it keeps happening. These guys are disappearing. It's young men. Um, you know, I'm told that most of them are fairly attractive uh, also and all this kind of thing. They sort of fit a, a but they don't fit a racial profile exactly. Uh, they used to. They used to almost all be white, but it seems like now it's just across the whole spectrum. Yeah. Asians, they, Indians, African-Americans. Right. The original cases. And again, you know, Jeffrey Dahmer, I mean, typically it was uh, it was black guys. That's just the way it was. But uh, generally speaking, when you have a serial uh, hunter of people for whatever purpose, they do kind of choose an ethnicity, a type, if you will. Right. Um, But that changed, which is very strange. And now there's this new interest after all this time. Where did the new interest come from exactly? What do you, what do you think? Because, uh, you know, I, I'd like to say it was you and the fact that you keep talking about no, it and the no, fact that Roberta Glass is talking about it. And maybe you guys finally got through to people, but I don't know. No, something seems to have happened. Tell me about that it. That wasn't it. It was because all these bodies are piling up. There's bodies piling up in Austin and Chicago. You've got in, in Austin, you have Jonathan Honey, Cliff Axtell, John Case Clark, which was found uh, 10 days ago. And Joel Jerusha, these are all this year. Jason, Jason, John. So all these people are going, hey, this is a pattern. It's just simple pattern recognition. Same thing in Chicago. All these ones, Seamus Gray. The fact that he was missing for 33 days is very suspicious. Well, is especially it because, with a massive. So what you're saying is it's because it's become more frequent? Yes, it's frequent and people are noticing it on social media. They have a they have now on Facebook a page called the Lady Bird Killer you know, Facebook page for with 80,000 followers. Mm. So that's huge. I mean, that's fairly good sized. That was nothing like what was going on when I was on Facebook researching this. Like there were smaller smiley face killer pages and the researchers all kind of knew each other. But uh, yeah, this I, is a broad interest. And to go on some of these other new platforms as well. There's right. TikTokers. There's one guy in Chicago who's covering the, covering the Chicago cases who has a million followers. He was unknown before he started covering the Chicago death cases. So he's looking around and, you know, so it's like a whole new host of people uh, seeing the big picture, recognizing these things. Mm, Just finally getting around to it. Yeah, there was a CIA agent on um, TikTok saying, yeah, I believe there's a serial killer in Chicago. I can't remember which show it was, but it was kind of like one of these new Internet news shows. But she flat out said it. I included it. You can go to my podcast or you can go to Rockman and watch all the recent shows I've done. I've done probably five shows on all the recent cases. You can watch some of the videos that I've included there or just listen to it on William Ramsey Investigates. 
Right. And tell people again how they can see that first documentary, because I, I know it was on uh, it was on Vimeo or something. At one yeah, it's still there. It's still there. Still on Vimeo. Uh, William Ramsey. You can just go smiley face, uh, but you can just type that into Vimeo. Uh, yeah, I can I, put a link to you. I can send you a link. You can put it in the show notes. Yeah, send me but, the yeah. link. But I think it'd interesting, be interesting. Interesting <laughs> thing, uh, Chuck, is I can see kind of where the location of people watching my videos is from. And the number one location where people are watching the smiley face video is Austin, Texas. Oh, so maybe that's it. You know, locally, uh, maybe it starts as a local thing and that's how a Facebook page gets started. Right. And so it's it's the newer version of what happened there in New York with the newspapers and everybody starting to talk about it. You know, like I said, with the Son of Sam deal, Um, you know, all of a sudden it was like women were cutting their hair and all this other stuff. Yeah, it caused a panic. But it was because people were actually talking about it and it was becoming this uh, this conversation point that everybody had in New York. So what you're saying is finally people have gotten to get together maybe locally a little bit, paid attention to something that's happening near them. And then it's growing from there through social media, maybe. No doubt. No doubt. I think that's exactly what's happened. Yeah. Sorry again. You know, I didn't plan any of this out with William, by the way, just for you guys. It's a, I, I'm really just questioning this as I go along because I find it curious. And again, I found it interesting that now, not really the mainstream, but some of that, you know, like uh, the the newer sort of corporate media that's come out. Like I'm almost willing to bet that Newsmax is going to cover this at some point. Uh, you know, and those kind of channels that are kind of emerging and, and jockeying for position now. Uh, in the in the ever shifting weird media landscape out there. Right. Yeah. Uh, very sure that some of them. Are I think they did. A, they did a local spot. There was a local spot on like talk to it radio in Austin. Also Infowars, which is located in Austin, had a segment on the recent deaths in Austin. So people are covering it. I don't know if they've seen the big wider picture, but they're definitely white. I mean, very interested in chicago and austin but there's been other cases houston had three cases in the last 12 months minneapolis iowa city had a guy found a week ago christian martinez there's a kid still missing in pittsburgh brandon pfeiffer davis there's like a weird tie-in with the uh uh Berger. you know remember that guy who killed three people in moscow idaho oh yeah that guy. there was a there was a guy found a smiley face killing type murder found literally a rock's throw from that house his name was hudson lindau Really? Really, yeah. No doubt. See, that's a whole weird case in and of itself. Oh, super and, You know, look, there, there has to be a stalking element here. See, that's another thing, is that people are under this impression that stalkers are easily caught now because everything's, you know, electronic and, oh, well, they know where your phone is. But, uh, you know, people that are well aware of that maybe are thinking around and outside of the box here. You know, uh, not necessarily. Chuck, did you see Koberger's? Uh, driving habits on the night of those murders he took the most roundabout way like an hour home he could have yeah. driven like 10 miles he was try- he was stalking or cruising or doing something he was just covering territory very strange like very thought out like he was a he was uh i'm surprised that that whole crime went down but like people think he's involved in other stuff he might have been involved in the hudson lindau person death you know? Well, but see, there it is, is look, if they don't mind these guys, if they don't, uh, you know, interrogate them, 
And I mean, they're not going to do it, you know, in the in, in the old school, you know, crazy good cop, bad cop sort of way. But I mean, quite honestly, if they don't use, utilize some of these guys as resources, somebody who clearly planned things out and did this and also had some other strange behaviors. I mean, I'm almost willing to bet that, yeah, the idea is they're all supposed to be loners and all this. But at some point there was connectivity there. Right. At some point, somebody informed this guy and, you know, he might have been self-taught that one. But I'm telling you, there's got to be some element here that and I don't know how to articulate it, but there, there's got to be a point of connection. If you have people that are acting in concert with one another, which you described it as a series of cells, yeah. you know, what what leads you to believe that exactly? Like, how would you? OK, I'm just going to, again, play the skeptic. I, I don't believe you. William Ramsey, explain to me why it is you believe this would be cells. As opposed to, uh, I don't know, a couple of independent operators who are just say it's three guys. We had three locations earlier. Three guys are together in a chat room. Maybe it's just their little click and they've decided to do this come together. Why are you saying three cells? Because well, it's happening independently. So different uh, geographical cosmopolitan areas are it's happening. So the overlap would be strange for somebody to be operating in Austin and Chicago. And I think that these murders are not caused by one person. I think it has to be at least a two or three. And the reason I say that is because a lot of these other killers worked with other people. If you look at some of these other craft or um, there's another guy, Eiler from the Midwest, people who've researched those guys says they couldn't have done it alone. They were handling bodies. There's body handling and things like that. So I think there's interest. And if you look at some of these weird groups, I've looked into this guy out of Michigan. His name was Katunsky. He had this kind of weird werewolf group online where they would, you know, uh, sh- kind of almost like the Pizzagate stuff where they had inside uh, inside statements like, yeah, we go out at night. We're wolves. Yeah. Howl at the moon. You know, hey, we go hunting. But watch out for us. So I think that those kinds of groups do exist. And so I think that that for those like you said, there's some kind of place online for those people with this type of interest. And if you look, I mean, I, I included this show Kink in my first documentary. What that was was like a hardcore BDSM place, but people would come in from all over the world to stream these things and pay large num- num- uh, sums of money. So maybe something like that's going on. And so so anyway, to, to go back to your point, I do think it's different cells, different people have some form of communication with the dark web and, and may even be doing – like you said, those pedophiles are sharing pictures of kitty porn. Maybe these guys are sharing their their murders films. Yeah. yeah, I mean, because that's still a business, by the way. Is you know they I know nobody ever talks about it at all anymore, but snuff films are still a thing. Um, no doubt. I, I know we we all know the stories, uh, you know, from the seventies and eighties and stuff about you know you get taken in a place in a you know in, in a van with no windows and. Uh, and all that. And that's how you can get invited. I mean, it's a common urban discussion, not saying it's a myth, but I am saying that there are a lot of people that talk about it that just have heard it second, third, fourth hand. Um, one of the statements you mentioned, the son of Sam, they said that one of the son of Sam killings was recorded. Allegedly. Right. right. And more than one person has brought that up. That maybe there's a film of some of that stuff. And that's another weird thing is that quite often there there is uh, an accomplice mentioned. Uh, I'll give you the most famous one is that uh, a lot of people think that Dennis Rader did not act alone, right? Oh. The, the BTK killer. Interesting. I've heard that, right? Uh, I have not heard that. No. Oh, okay. But well, it's kind of like the same thing, right? There were four people, so 
how did he subjugate that whole family, right? Yeah, well, but there's always a lot of odd things like this where it's like, hey, there may have been an accomplice. And it's funny that a lot of the accomplices uh, are, are never caught. They get the main guy and that's that. And then, of course, you have the weird the weird world of um, oh, Henry Lee Lucas, right? Right. Honest yeah. Tool, Honest Tool, that guy. Honest Tool and all that. I mean, and clearly they collaborated on some stuff. Now, did he exaggerate and add to it? I think so. But did he actually do a bunch of things? Yeah, we know he did. Um, but, but anyway, I, what I'm saying is that I'm not saying that these guys are all reliable, by the way, when captured as far as their information goes. But some of them might be. Uh, and they might offer some information and somebody might be able to sift through that and come up with, uh, you know, th- there could be ultimately a whole secret network somewhere. Again, the dark web is the easiest place to mention, but there's other ways, <laughs> you know, uh, so anyway, sure. um, but, but that's, yeah, a- but uh, yeah, I think that there's groups of people. I know one of the interesting case cases is this one, Joey LeBute, because he died when the Arnold Schwarzenegger classic came into town. So it's the biggest bodybuilding uh exposition in the world so you have all these people from all over the world come in and he just suspiciously disappears and these are all dudes on roids and they're supposed to be like uh supposedly a kind of gay element to the bodybuilding world so i mean it makes sense for i mean think of the perfect crime is to kind of go to a place nobody knows you commit the crime and, and leave well there's that and then there's also a guy who's working locally who says to himself look there's going to be a lot of strangers around. It'll be impossible for them to track things down. So somebody could use it as a cover. I was just going to mention that thing about Boston, which, uh, by the way, it seems to be increasingly a nexus point of all sorts of bizarre and murderous activity. Um, and, and I don't mean organized crime or, you know, typical grudge type stuff or gang killings. I mean, there is something very weird going on. And uh, now they're going to have a, a Satanist convention there, too. Uh, I just read. You you saw that, right? Yep. yep. Um, You know, and and look, uh, if if you were to go ahead and commit a couple of murders and be a little sloppy about it during the Satanist convention, uh, you'll have people running in 80 different directions. You know, whether you came into town for it or you live there already. Um, So there's that in play as well. Has there been any correlation about different events coming in? Because, look, Austin and Chicago are two great places for people to uh, come in from out of town, right. um, you know, what, what, what about that? One of the, one of the recent victims was at a bachelor party. And so there's been other deaths, kind of one, one arguably was a drug related death, but uh, bachelor parties, but Austin, yeah, it's a place for people to go party. And it is interesting that these are kind of like blue urban areas where these kind of things are happening too, which uh, is a strange correlation, but uh you know, there's always like there's been other kids. One was at like a model UN in Chicago, left his hotel, disappeared. Another guy's business trip in Boston was found under the uh, pier like t- two months later. Just really crazy stuff. So it, it may not even just be the people are coming from out of town. The murderers are coming out of from out of town as well. Or yeah, it could be a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B, though, because yeah, I mean, right. it's just very strange. And the, the other odd thing to mention here is that a consistency among the victims appears to be. Now, look, a lot of families, uh, especially after somebody dies, you know, they, they, they elevate their morality. All of a sudden they become a saint. You know what I mean? Right. Yep. Um, and I'm, I'm not saying that all these families are doing that. Not at all. I'm not trying to smear anybody. But what I am saying is 
that consistently, though, I don't see a lot of, well, you know, this guy was out there risk taking and being involved with a lot of partying. Like these are not like known party animals that seem to be the victims uh, unless I'm misreading it. Uh, it doesn't it, seem like that. Like if there's a lot of videos online of the family members telling stories like they're not big drinkers. They they are athletes, you know, so. It's the, the the cut across isn't it's not like it's the um, hard drinking partying uh, frat type all the time. It did more most recently, maybe originally, but like there's almost no frat member like that kind of thing happening now. It's almost like middle aged kind of upper, you know, upwardly mobile yuppie types. Mm. It's weird. No, it is very weird. And if it's evolving, then, you know, it could be something that's growing. That's another thing, too, is that, you know, once you get a successful little uh, bit of cult activity going on where you have a high control group, you mentioned that guy who was the werewolf. Now, I know there's a couple of groups like that out there and a couple of these like, you know, vampire clubs of sorts. Right. Yes. Yeah. Have, you know, a high exalted one at the top. And it's on one level. It's kind of a goofy, you know, cosplay sort of thing. But on another level, it gets a little more serious and maybe there's an inner circle and all this kind of stuff goes on, too. So there's a lot to consider here uh, as far as the possibilities. So I think it makes it very, very hard to uh, do your normal track and trace. Right. OK, so who did the victim know? Because usually it's somebody that knows them that gets a hold of them like this. And if it's a crime of opportunity, what was the point of opportunity? Maybe there's common links. And it seems like it's very difficult to pin down based on those kind of, uh, you know, thought processes when it comes to investigation, because it varies a little. But what is consistent is it's this uh, sort of, you know, late at night. It's not broad daylight stuff. Um, and it's definitely, you know, somehow somebody being lured away from a public place and then they disappear. And generally speaking, it's younger men, uh, although there have been some other victims, maybe that are in the mix as well, that are women. Uh, right. Right. Yes. There's a few women out there that this has happened to found in ditches and stuff like that. Yeah. Not many of them. Not many. Right. Well, even in the case of the ditches, though, d does it appear as though the ditches were uh, sort of uh, on the way to a body of water? Is it that kind of thing? A little bit. I mean, I was talking about this guy, Hudson Lindlow. He was literally found in a creek like I, I would have stepped. Like, yeah, it's not even a foot deep. So, so everyone's different. Some are found in very strange places, ponds on golf courses weird bodies of water like and then some are found in you know lake michigan harbors it's all a mix but so here's the thing outside of uh, going and taking a look at william ramsey investigates okay outside of doing that uh if somebody is interested in looking at this case uh, or starting with your documentary on vimeo um and yeah do send me all the links you want because I, I want to provide them to the listener and let them go ahead and do their own uh, exploration after they've listened to this conversation. Right. Um, you know, where, where would you suggest they go ahead and look to start seeing uh, the kind of thing that you're seeing here? And uh, it, it is perhaps something that could be done by the public. If people got together, you don't know which rock you might kick over because you might have access to something that somebody else doesn't. Or you might have an idea right. somebody else doesn't. So how would you uh, suggest somebody approaches this if it's a brand new topic to them? Yeah, they could look at my two documentaries. I have the one, Smiley Face Killers, who is abducting, torturing, and murdering college-age men in the U.S. and U.K. And then I have a second one called Smiley Face Killers, 
the global slaughter continues. You can see that I've done 120 case studies of the individual cases. So you can follow along and see what the families say and see how they progress. That'll give you a broad overview. I have conclusions on there. You can listen to all my shows on the Smiley Face Killers on William Ramsey Investigates, my podcast. I have like, I've probably done 30 shows. You can check out Jim Smith, probably one of the best public investigators at his Twitter feed, which is at Smiley Face Cult, still posting all the stuff. He was the original kind of uh, researcher, head researcher for my first documentary. So he's been at it for a long time. He knows a lot of these cases, more than I do. Uh, But uh, that would be a good start. And I think you can just kind of look through YouTube and type in what these people think. Chicago serial killer and the Lady Bird Lake killer or the Rainy Street Ripper, whatever they're calling it now. And just look on YouTube because all these independent uh, researchers have cropped up within the last two or three months. So a lot of people that I've never seen before kind of uh, researching these types of cases are, are interested now. Right. Now, look, for a final pass at all this, I just uh, and, and again, I want you to check out just enter into a search engine, whatever one you use. William Ramsey investigates. Uh, you'll certainly come across William Ramsey uh, and and yeah, dig into this. I mean, you do a lot of other stuff, too. So I want people to look at all your work. But focusing on this right now, one word that I did purposely avoid until you just brought it up. Uh, OK, which is cult. Uh, I know it was part of the uh, 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 Twitter handle of uh, Bill Smith, right? Or, uh, you know, Jim, Jim Smith. Jim Smith. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, common name, common name. Um, sorry about that. But anyway, uh, Jim Smith. Um, and yeah, I would definitely check that out as well. But cults, what would be the thing that would indicate to you that this could be a cult-like activity? Now, initially, just my own thoughts. When you're talking about dumping bodies into a body of water, uh, there is a ritualistic aspect that could be here, and torture could be ritualized as well. Um, but what what are the indicators that give you an idea or that give some people the idea, because I've seen this discussed by others, uh, that there may indeed be some sort of a discernible cult in play here? Right, and I think there might be like a group of people who are practitioners of some occultism of any different stripe, and there were those people in Chicago they were called the Ripper Crew, and they preyed upon women and did horrible, unspeakable things. But the likelihood that these guys may have some kind of ideological outlook could be real. And I'm, you know, I've talked about possible ties with other groups and things like that. But I go into it and I actually, you know, investigate that in my podcast. But it, it, it could be, and that may be with the reason why that the government isn't uh, finding it is because. They're not looking for some kind of cult behavior that's involved in this kind of uh, predation. Well, my first instincts when I see the authorities uh, not interested in following up on something is one of two things. Either uh, they, uh, they, they do not have the aptitude to approach it. They don't know what they're looking at or my uh what what really usually comes up first is maybe there's somebody that is uh, among the protected classes if you will right. one way or another either they're a rich person in the community or there's somebody who's important politically or something like that who is somehow directly involved or easily tied to it like i'm very sure that uh uh you know what, what was it rosalind carter was never thrilled at the fact that she was photographed with <laughs> Casey. Know, with Gacy. <laughs> right. Whose last four uh, victims were thrown in rivers in Chicago. 
and there was what the final tie I was going to bring up is that, you know, when you got an area like that, and of course he was dumping people, not just in, in his house there, but it's his last view, they were dumped in bodies of water. Um, and I mean, Gacy made a lot of claims and was saying that he wasn't the only one involved. I don't know that that wasn't just some sort of strategy on his part. Uh, but if it wasn't, if there was even a, a grain of truth to that, uh, you know, you could be looking at something that's been operating for possibly 50 years here if that's connected to this. And that's a possibility even, too. We don't know for sure, do we? I wouldn't know. I really wouldn't know. I mean, it just seems like these types of crimes were not happening in the 70s and 80s with the same consistency that they are now. So I, I, I would hope that it hasn't gone back that far. But people haven't found a lot of those cases in the 70s and 80s. It really was something that started in the mid-90s. Mm. Very strange. Okay. But it's happening. It's white hot now. Chicago, Austin, be safe. Be careful. Don't get your drink spiked. Stay together. Men have to stay together, too. And you should act like you're going into the back. When you go out at night in some of these cities, it's like stick together like you're part of a platoon in Vietnam. Like everybody gets out alive. Like I'm that serious. Like don't let people walk out alone. Make sure everybody gets in the car together. And your Uber driver is probably a danger, too. So, yeah, really, things are really sketchy in the States right now. So be careful. Well, there's another element too. Uh, just last thing I want to bring up is that uh, if somebody wanted to follow up on this and they were very serious about it, modes of transportation are often a key to uh, uncovering things in an investigation. I mean, how many times do we have to hear about, yeah, we wouldn't have busted this guy if it wasn't for a traffic stop or right. some ridiculous thing, right? You know, the plate was out of order, this or that. Now, in modern times here, and especially in an urban area or a uh, a more metropolitan area, let's say, um, there there is certainly a, a lot more use of stuff like, yeah, Uber and whatnot. So there could easily be something trackable, traceable there. I mean, yes. you know, today would would uh, would would, you know, the, the guys that were using taxi cabs years ago. OK, that was a little more anonymous. But I mean, your your Uber driver knows where they brought you to and from. Uh, they they almost always have some sort of photographic proof of who you are. Uh, you know who they are. There is something trackable and traceable there. How come that's not been utilized? Has anybody looked into? Is did these guys use Uber? You know, it's a good question. You know, I think that there's not a lot of stuff. One of the things I have found in a lot of these cases, there's a reason why their cell phones are found where they're abducted, and I think it's intentional because the perpetrators do not want to have any track and trace with the phone. So the phone's either found broken or sitting there with the belongings and things like that. So there has been one case that I can think of offhand in Boston. His name was Kelleher and they followed his phone because he was going north from TDI center or whatever. He was going north over the Charles river and then his phone picked him up going south, which was away from his house. And then he was later found in the Charles river. But that phone gave away some information that, he was not going the way he wanted to go when he left uh, TDI Center. And he wasn't drunk, too. He was walking just fine. So um, but that information is very important. But like I said, some of these police, you don't know what's coming out. You don't know how serious they're taking this. And if they say it's just an accidental drowning, it's done. It's off their books and you move on. So it's well, a shame. Yeah. There you go. I mean, you know, when they say they've got a suicide on their hands, there's no reason to look for a murderer. There you go. 
you know, very simple. It, that's an interesting correlation, though. I mean, are we finding that the cell phones are almost always abandoned at the point of abduction? Is that is that a it seems like it? There's I could probably go back and look through all my notes and find 20 of them. Who've, their cell phones have been found. Mm. So it is there is some kind of weird correlation between that or they're in the water. So, I mean, that makes sense, too. Right. To destroy yeah. the evidence. So. Yeah, well, either way, it makes it a whole a hell of a lot harder to find. And especially if it's been turned off, there you go. You got a dead phone in the water. Uh, not exactly the easiest thing to go. I mean, you, you don't believe me. Drop it in a lake somewhere and see if you can find it. Uh, you know, the, the, that's just difficult in and of itself. But uh, OK, so there you have it. And again, William Ramsey investigates. And uh, I urge you guys to go ahead and follow up for yourselves on this. Um, are, are there any, well, one last thing, is there any, uh, other, like, I know there were some Facebook groups there you mentioned, but is there any centralized location for this yet or not to my knowledge? Uh, I think that there's a lot of things going on TikTok. I'm not on TikTok, but you can probably find the older smiley face research groups on Facebook. I haven't been on there, but they were around five, you know, seven years ago. So I assume they're still there. Um, and you can go through and look at all that all that knowledge that's been accrued. There's quite a bit. Or scroll through Jim Smith stuff. There you go. So look at Jim Smith stuff, and obviously uh, William Ramsey investigates. Uh, you're available on most podcatchers, right? I mean, most of the things. Yeah, everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. iTunes. I'm on Spotify. I'm hosted by Spotify now. So. Oh, you're hosted by Spotify. Okay. Yeah, that... I signed a contract with Spotify. Okay, great. Uh, I almost did that, but. <laughs> Anyway, long story. Hey, look, uh, it, 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 it might be a good thing for me to do. But then again, uh, I want you guys to follow up. Go ahead and check them out anywhere where podcasts are. You'll pretty much find William Ramsey. And you're still on YouTube. You're still allowed there, right? No, I got banned. I got banned. Oh, you got banned. I'm yeah. sorry. So I'm on all my stuff's on Rockfin. Rockfin under William Ramsey. Rockfin. Yeah, yeah. my third channel. So I think I'm uh, my I've lost three channels to uh, to government censorship. Yeah. Okay, so Rockfin, they can see you on video, and your Correct. stuff still up on Vimeo, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. There you go. William Ramsey investigates. And I thank you for taking the time tonight. I know I took thank you over time, but thank I think you. people uh, should get in on this while it's resurging, because this may be a time when, uh, who knows, something might break in the case. And you never know. You, you might have uh, at your fingertips in your uh, locale. You might have the information. You might come across it yourself. You, the listener, not you, William. Uh, but anyway, no matter who you are, where you are, when you are, remember, I'm merely Ocelli, and all of you are indeed the effect. William Ramsey investigates. Find him. Chuck, thanks so much. Thank find this stuff. Thank you. Okay, we're clear. Sweet. And I've stopped recording, so there you go. I'm